Welcome to The Crossing, the sermon podcast from Washington National Cathedral. We're so glad you're with us, and we hope this week's episode gives you comfort and inspiration. Be sure to check out our other Crossing podcast, Tower Talks, where you can find untold stories from cathedral docents, volunteers, staff, and artists who have each helped make the cathedral into the national treasure we all love. And now, enjoy this week's sermon. Please pray with me. Almighty God, you've poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. When you think about Christmas, What images come to mind for you? Perhaps it's the gathering of family and friends. Or maybe it's the meal. You know the meal. The one that about this time in the calendar causes one to make a vow that in the new year, they're going to eat in a healthier way, exercise more, and lose the same 10 pounds they've been talking about for years. Maybe it's the decorations, the tree, the Christmas lights, or as I see on my early morning walk in my neighborhood, a supersized Santa and snowman inflated almost to explosion. Maybe it's a favorite crush or manger set that you've collected over the years that has the full complement of the shepherds and the angels and Mary in the manger and the magi. And of course, we know that many of those images have made been made more challenging in this year due to COVID and other circumstances, and that for many, an image of gathering with family or a bountiful feast or a beautiful roof over our head are merely an image and not a reality. It is into this in all times that Jesus came. And of course, what connects so many of those images and a commonality of them is that they're very specific in terms of a people and a place and a time, which is not surprising. Synoptic Gospels portray the Incarnation at a particular time, in a particular place, with a particular people. And that shapes much of our imagery. The angels, the shepherds, the magi, the manger. John's Gospel, which you just heard this morning, is wholly different 
it invites us to a different kind of imaging. It invites us to open wide the horizons of our mind because it speaks of a God that takes us from the concrete to the cosmic, to a time that's pre-existent, not bound by time or space or place. Listen again to those beautiful words of the beginning of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. How do we wrap our heads around that? Note that the incarnation in John's Gospel actually comes in the 14th verse. And the Word became flesh and lives among us, full of grace and truth. Note that it moves from the past tense to the present. The light shines in the darkness. The light has always shone. The light shines. And the light will always shine. And the darkness will never overcome it. I think sometimes in the midst of our struggles and challenges in life, we forget just how big God is. And that the miracle of this moment is that the great I Am loved us enough to take on flesh and live among us so that God would not be so transcendent and out there, but to come to us, to be one of us, so that we could understand and follow God more fully. It's a challenge to wrap our heads around that, the vastness of God. But we also got a great Christmas gift yesterday. I suspect when many of you were sleeping in or having your first cup of coffee or opening gifts, I will confess to you that 7.20 in the morning, I was glued to NASA TV, watching the launch of the Webb Space Telescope. This telescope, has been decades in the making, a collaborative project of some 10,000 people, 
the European Space Agency, the Canadian Space Agency, and NASA. It's a bold undertaking. This satellite is 100 times more powerful than Hubble. And it is scientists' hope that if all goes well, that this satellite will enable us to see almost from the beginning of the time of the universe, as they calculate it, some 13.8 billion years ago. Can you imagine? There's our solar system, but then there are thousands of exoplanets and galaxies out there, stars that we know nothing about. It gives us just a glimpse and imagination for all of God's creation, of which we're a tiny speck. This telescope, just to give you a sense of it, would enable scientists to see a bumblebee 240,000 miles away. That my friends, is part of the created order of the great I am and the word who took on flesh and lived among us. C.S. Lewis speaks something about the miracle of this time being not only that Christ came and lived and died and rose among us, but that Christ continues to come to live, to die, and rise in our midst. Yes, we have our challenges, but we also have the great I am and Jesus, the Christ, who promised to never leave us or forsake us, to be with us to the ends of all time. This is a season for hope in the midst of our challenges. And one of the most beautiful sermons I've read in this season was written by Michael Gerson in an article he wrote that was published in the Washington Post on Christmas Eve. Michael Gerson in the article speaks of so many challenges in our time. He also reveals in that article that he's writing it from a hospital bed where he's being treated for cancer that he knows at some point in time will take his life. It's a beautiful article which I call a sermon and I commend it to you. It's entitled, This Christmas, Hope May Be Elusive, But Despair Is Not the Answer. And I want to quote the end of it. On Christmas, we consider the disorienting, vivid evidence that hope wins. If true, 
It is a story that can reorient every human story. It means that God is with us, even in suffering. It is the assurance is from a parent, is from an angel, is from a savior. It is okay. And even at the extreme of death, quoting Julian of Norwich, all should be well and all manner of thing shall be well. Hope wins. As Gerson brilliantly writes, there's something about someone in that stage of their life that brings clarity of the truth and what truly matters in life. Hope in the midst of despair because God loved us enough to take on flesh and dwell among us. I leave you this morning with one of my favorite poems of the season by Howard Thurman. I will light candles this Christmas. Candles of joy despite all sadness. Candles of hope where despair keeps watch. Candles of courage for fears ever-present. Candles of peace for tempest-tossed days. Candles of grace to ease heavy burdens. Candles of love to inspire all my living. Candles that will burn all the year long. Almighty God, you've poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light enkindle in our hearts may shine forth in our lives. May it be so for you and for me. Amen.